0: Hey, man, it's me, Kevin Smith. Are you listening to the right podcast? Because you're supposed to be listening
1: to Three Guys in Flick. Are you listening to that right now? Then you're in the right place. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Memory. It's a funny thing. People want to believe that they are what they choose to remember. The good stuff. The moments. The places. The people we all hold on to. But sometimes, sometimes, we are what we wish we could forget. Welcome back. You are listening to Three Guys and a Flip. This is where we review the good, the bad, and the absurd. Tonight's episode, IT Chapter 2. Beware spoilers. Coming to you from the house on Neibolt Street, my name is Don. And to my right we have our comic book guy, John.
2: This meeting of the Losers Club... That's officially begun.
1: And to my left, we have the professor, Ken. I know your secret, your dirty little secret. I know your
0: secret, your dirty little secret.
1: Should I tell them, Donnie?
2: I think he knows about us, Don.
1: Oh, for fuck's sakes. Dude, that was the creepiest thing I've heard in a long, long time. Well done, sir. Uh, how you guys doing tonight? I'm good. I have a cold. Yes. Yes, you do. So if the professor sounds sexier, let us know in the comments. We'll make sure he keeps this cold. <laughs> you guys see that episode of Friends? Where mm, Phoebe, I was thinking Phoebe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, the sexy voice. Tonight is our third Stephen King movie in our Halloween special. Um, This is the conclusion to It Chapter One. So, yeah. I enjoyed it. You had seen it before, though, right?
2: Yeah, I've seen it quite a few times. Did you see it in the theater? I'm pretty sure I did.
1: Uh, I'm guessing that because you didn't see the first one, you you hadn't seen this one. You are correct, sir. Fuck, I should be playing the lottery.
2: Do you know who else watched it for the first time?
1: I'm going to go ahead and say you made your poor wife suffer through this movie. She actually
2: enjoyed it as much as she liked the first one. Wait a minute, really? What? Yeah.
1: What? Are we on Planet Cuckoo Pants?
2: And the crazy thing is, is she hates long movies, but she didn't mind this one. She actually liked this one better than the first one.
1: Interesting.
2: Interesting. And we'll go into her reasons later. Oh
1: my oh yeah i can't fucking wait
0: um so i'm just perplexed that you guys dig this movie so much because what was your rationale for not liking say anything because and because because
2: i've actually gone over this quite a few times because tatiana who may be listening kind of grilled me on it at our 48 of why i gave her pick for say anything a zero and again if I had watched it in the 80s, it would have been different. It was a different mindset back then. Would you now, please just
0: give me the short answer? It's
2: a stalking movie.
0: It's about... A, it's a stalker movie. A, a stalker movie and a girl with daddy issues. Okay, so a stalker movie. It's not movie. romantic. It's not what it's meant and to be. Just, that, just to clarify, is it a stalker movie? Uh, Yeah,
2: it is. But that's what it's meant to be.
0: And it's, oh, I know what it is. It's because it's a stalker movie about children. It's stalking children. That's why you like it more.
2: No, because I think it's everything that it's advertised to be. Say anything isn't advertised as a stalker movie, is it?
1: Is because, it? because what say anything it, spoke because be? it is not a stalker movie. It is a stalker movie okay it can be interpreted as an as a stalker movie absolutely it was never intended to be therefore that's it is not a stalker movie it's not a stalker movie today and it's not a stalker movie in the 80s you that's how say yes that's how you feel about it and that's fine that's a zero what he's saying is that and i agree with him on this one uh say anything wasn't meant to be a stalker movie but he thinks it is it is meant to be a stalker movie and very it, absolutely a it fucking is so to answer your question so we can move on yes professor he thinks this is also a stalker movie it's
2: like going to one wanting to go see a war movie and getting moulin rouge so it, it's two different things you go to see say anything and you're expecting to see this romantic 80s movie that's not what i got out of it
1: are we done with say anything and
0: i just wanted to point out that it's a stalker movie. That's all. <laughs> so so is Nightmare on Elm Street. You we
1: can say not, the same thing. We are, you can say the same thing about a lot of things, but we're not going to say said things. I'm still saying it. You can say anything. Released on September 6, 2019, IT Chapter 2 was directed by Andy Muschietti, based on the book by IT by Stephen King, screenplay by Gary Doberman, and it stars... Jessica Chastain, James McAvoy, Bill Hader, Isaiah Mustafa, Jay Ryan, James Ransom, Andy Bean, Bill Skarsgård, and a bunch of other losers. How'd this movie do, Don? Uh, That's a good question, John. This movie was made for $79 million, and it brought in... $473 $473 million. It's interesting that this movie
2: didn't do quite as well as the 2017 movie, but together they made a billion dollars.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you could say that Chapter 2 and Chapter 1 completes the story, right? So uh, combining them like that for uh, you know the, the grosses makes sense. Uh, but I can tell you why it didn't do as well. Why do you think so? Because it's longer. And which means there's shorter showings.
2: I thought maybe it had something to do with the first movie, people were willing to go see it multiple times in the theaters. The second movie being so much longer, they weren't going back to see it again.
1: Right, 100%.
2: Something that I thought was interesting about this movie, and I brought up on our last show, it seems like a lot of occurrences and a lot of... Uh, Storyline in this movie is very reminiscent of Nightmare on Elm Street, especially Nightmare on Elm Street Five. I said that last movie. Did you notice what was on the marquee in the theater?
1: Uh, one of the theaters when they're passing through town, it's Nightmare on Elm Street Five. But they show that in the first one.
2: Yeah, they show that in the first one too. Did you notice the cafe next to?
1: Oh, Cafe Dreamer. What is Dreamers. It? Dreamers. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: So, and I started thinking about it again. All the similarities between you know Pennywise and Freddy Krueger. Both feed on, the, on children's th- fears, both stalk children, both have weaknesses to anybody who stands up to them and loses their fear, both create dream you know, dream illusions, you know, dream kind of scape illusions to trap their intended victims. And the other big thing I noticed about especially five is adult characters from previous movies return to fight the bad guy. So yeah, a lot of similarities.
1: Yes, there are a lot of similarities. The only thing <laughs> I was looking—I was looking at this. The only thing that I kind of go, well, I guess, if you have to, is Nightmare on Elm Street Five. They have just graduated high school, and yes, technically adult. I mean, they're still yeah. teen slash adult in it. I mean, they're in their forties, right? Yes. So that's the only thing that I would say, whatever. But but that's specifically to five. Well, here's Nightmare on Street Five. Here's yeah. the
2: question. If you had to face one or the other, Pennywise or Freddy Krueger, who would you want to face off against?
1: Neither? How about that? Can I get a a third option? Uh, Never sleep again? Yeah, well, I don't know. I
2: think Freddy Krueger would be the better choice because Pennywise can haunt you during the day and night.
1: Yeah, well, if you stop sleeping and start taking micro naps, Freddy can get you in the Mm. daytime too. Uh, I think it would take longer to get you. Mm. Uh, Freddy would probably go pretty fast because at some point, Fuckers, You gotta sleep. Well, Penny likes, likes tenderizing his meat. Yeah, exactly. So, what'd you guys think of this cast?
2: I actually really enjoyed this cast, especially one who stood out, Bill Hader. Oh, absolutely. I think he did an amazing job. They actually asked the kid actors in 2017 who they'd want to play the adult versions of them. And Finn, who played Richie, said Bill Hader. And uh, the woman who played, or the, the young woman who played uh, Bev, said, Said Jessica
1: Chastain. Uh, Barbara Muschietti said Jessica Chastain because she were she was friends with her, mm-hmm. and then she had mentioned it to uh, that Sophia chicken. and Sophia was like, "Oh my gosh, that would be perfect." So, did you hear
2: who Chance had suggested? Who Chadwick Boseman?
1: Oh, for Mike.
2: For Mike, but unfortunately, because of Marvel uh, contract obligations, he wasn't able to do the movie. They actually approached him.
1: Uh, did you guys? Do you guys know where the Isaiah Mustafa is from? Mm-mm. did he look recognizable to you when you were watching this and i mike mike hanlon uh and i immediately thought this when i saw it for the first time in the theaters i went oh fuck that's gonna take me out of it anybody no. anybody he is the old spice guy on the horse
2: oh that's funny the commercial really
1: yep it alternated between him and terry cruz so every time he was on screen i'm like oh you know doing the <laughs> in my head so
2: what do you think of the cast, Professor?
0: I I, I really dug them. Uh, Jessica, she was great. I, I I remembered her instantly from Zero Dark Thirty, and uh, and then the more I thought about it, she was the young gal in the Help as well, and, and I I really dug her in that a lot as well.
2: That's where uh, Julie, when we were watching it, she immediately recognized her from the Help, and then James
1: McAvoy, Atonement. Yeah, there's James again. Hey, buddy. Yeah. Except they never atoned.
0: But he's also, you know, uh, Doctor Xavier, and uh, Professor. He got a professor degree. Charles Xavier, and then uh, I recognized him after the fact uh, from Band of Brothers. But I I really, uh, I really enjoyed the uh, cast. I I, I thought that uh, their chemistry on screen uh, felt felt rich
1: yeah and and i and i appreciated that the older cast resembled the younger cast very well i think the kid they got to play ben and then the adult they got to play ben spot on same with eddie i thought eddie Mm -hmm. was uh you know uh cast very well
2: what about eddie's wife you know who played her right No, who well i don't know the name of the actress but the same woman that played eddie's mom in the first movie played his wife in the second movie That's what they're saying is he found a woman just like his mom.
1: It's the same actress? Same
2: actress.
0: Oh, so
1: they must have put her in uh, makeup for the mom. Mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. Mm. I didn't know that.
2: Now, I already said who my favorite of the adult actors was, Bill Hader. Did you guys have a favorite?
1: Um, I think that they all did really well. I kind of flopped back and forth between uh, James McAvoy and Bill Hader. I think Bill Hader's performance is. Uh, I think he just goes for it. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, James McAvoy was kind of an unexpected choice because uh, he does have the stutter, and for some reason, I always pictured Bill Denbro to be taller as an adult. You know what I mean? And maybe it's because of the I think 90s. he was lanky. Yeah, because maybe, maybe, and maybe it's because of the '90s version of it where he, I think, was taller. But anyways, uh, I go back and forth, so i probably have to say uh, my favorite is one of those two.
0: Okay. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I, I feel that those two characters are, are the strongest uh, of the bunch as well.
1: And uh, don't get me wrong, uh, Jessica Chastain was fantastic. The guy they got to play, uh, Ben, I really enjoyed. You know, I enjoyed The Losers just as much as adults as I did when they were kids.
2: I'm getting a little bit ahead here, but another interesting casting choice. When we get introduced to Ben uh, during the architect meeting when he's, they're doing the sales pitch... Did you know that the guy who was originally doing the pitch before Ben comes on little TV is also Ben?
1: Is that the same kid from the miniseries?
2: It's the kid growing up from the miniseries. I knew
1: the, yeah, the redhead who's standing. Uh, yeah. I knew he looked familiar. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I, I kind of watched the miniseries last Yeah, week. I
2: guess his name is... Brandon Crane, he is from the 1990s miniseries. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, shouting out other cameos. Did you see who was in the drugstore during Eddie's visit when they were back in Derry?
0: How can you not? He did sticks out like a sore
1: thumb. Was that
2: where the uh, the director cameo was? Yeah, yeah. and yeah,
1: Andy Muschietti. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was there. So yeah, uh, well done with the cast, and uh, you know, Wait there's a there's a lot of Easter eggs. I was talking about Stephen King. I knew you were, but he does. I said pharmacy with Eddie. He He was in in the the pawn shop with Bill. Yeah. It's still looking as creepy as ever. (laughs) Absolutely. That's a great scene, and we'll get to it when when we talk about it. 27 years after its initial defeat, Pennywise returns to Derry, Maine in 2016 and kills a man named Adrian Mellon by biting his heart out after he and his boyfriends are brutally assaulted in a hate crime by locals after visiting a carnival. Mike Hanlon, the only member of the Losers Club, who remains in Derry calls the other members Bill Denbro, Ben Hanscom, Beverly Marsh, Richie Tozer, Eddie Kasprak, and Stanley Uris to honor the promise they made 27 years earlier to kill Pennywise if he came back. All of them return to Derry except for Stanley, who kills himself out of fear of the creature. At a Chinese restaurant, Mike refreshes the loser's memories before Pennywise itself reveals the news of Stanley's suicide to them. Richie and Eddie decide to leave until Beverly reveals that she had a psychic vision of their death should they fail to fulfill their oath. Meanwhile, it kills a young girl named Victoria at a baseball game after luring her into a trap. Alright, so this movie opens with... With a hate crime. Yeah, that's what it opens, right? Yeah. For some reason, I thought it opened differently. Well, uh, the,
2: the interesting thing about this opening is, and I, I keep starting the book and i haven't quite finished it this
1: is how the book opens the book
2: actually starts with this hate crime and talking about the homophobia and everything in Derry. yeah
1: the opening is you know we're establishing where we're at and it's present day and they have this festival going on what did you guys think of this opening bit in our reintroduction to one Pennywise.
2: Well, I guess, and this is again from some further reading I've done. Pennywise wakes up every 25 or 27 years to some violent crime. So that's what the whole purpose of this uh, homophobic and this bashing and throwing the guy over and all that was his waking
0: up point. But he showed up almost immediately for that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I guess but- he was hungry yeah he must have been he's been sleeping for 27 years yo and he didn't even get a good meal before he went to sleep these little fuckers put him back into the ground uh i thought the scene was brutal and very effective uh, i like the camera work i, I like some of the angles uh the practical effects were good and then the bit when uh, adrian's in the water and he's trying to you know scream for help and this that and the other he uh you see pennywise on the shore and he's reaching out uh, to lend him a hand. Fucking creepy. Mm
0: -hmm. Right. I'm wondering why Pennywise chooses to chomp on people if he's supposed to be making them float. We saw that at the beginning of it with Georgie at the storm drain. Georgie gets chomped. He doesn't get to float necessarily. And so I was curious why Pennywise is so busy chomping on people rather than making them float.
1: I have an answer for you.
2: I have a theory too, but what's your answer? It's because he's fucking
1: hungry. My theory is... He's got the munchies? Yeah. What? Why, why else could it be? Please, someone enlighten me. Other well, than hunger, please... He uh,
2: He feeds two different ways. One, he definitely likes meat. He wants to eat... But the floating kids are actually feeding him through their fears as well and making him stronger. It's kind of like that Freddy Krueger vibe that the more fear he ingests, the stronger he becomes. Because you notice in the beginning of this movie, he's just chomping the guy. There's no real fear. There's no terror. That he's really screwing with the guy. He just chomps him. But later on, as you know, because I think it's a month or two later before the guys the other guys show up, he's built up his abilities. He started using the fear tactics to. Eat the fear and become more powerful.
1: And he eats because he's hungry,
2: right? But I'm saying he doesn't immediately like all those kids that were floating, right? He, he, they his were dead. his
1: his question was, why is Pennywise doing this? Yeah. and the answer is because he's hungry. When I thought he, it, when he when he when he has more time and has more power, he'll get more kids to float for sure. And because he's got to start over, well, right? I, all the ones from 27 years were gone.
2: Well, I thought his question was, why does he eat some and have others float?
1: Well, he eats them because he's hungry.
2: Yeah, he eats the ones hungry, but he also makes the ones float. But you notice too, the ones that were floating were also dead. So he had already probably chomped on a few of them because they all came pouring out of the storm drain uh, at the end of the second one. They show, or at the end of the first one, uh, they all apparently got washed out the storm drain. We see that in the second movie; they were all dead.
1: Does that answer your question? Yeah, but I didn't connect that at all. I had no idea why everybody comes washing out of the storm drain.
2: Yeah, those were the floaters.
1: And so during this time, we also find out that uh, Mike Hanlon is still in Derry, and he's in the uh, library. Did hey, he see the now the librarian? Uh, I think so. I don't know if they ever called it out, but he is, per the book, uh, the librarian. And actually, in the miniseries, they stay more truthful to his character. But anyways, uh, he's listening to the police scanners because it's he's noticing some strange things around town. And, uh, he still remembers, you know, we'll get into the hole that everyone forgets, but Mike Hanlon remembers because he's never left dairy. Mm-hmm. So he's listening to the police scanner. He hears that a body has been, uh, mutilated. And so he goes down to the, uh, scene of the crime and he notices, uh, the remnants of a pop balloon, you know, and now we get the title
2: sequence. Well, he also notices, uh, the thing that looks like it's, blood oh, oh yeah, on the yeah wall. it says
1: come home, come home, come home. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, it's Pennywise's calling card, really. It's Pennywise saying, I'm back, motherfuckers. What are you going to do? So we get our title sequence, and this time we get the chapter two because, duh. And then we go into the whole rounding them up bit. What did you guys think of the whole, we got to get them rounded up and get them ready to go?
2: Well, this is what I want to ask the professor. Did you get that they had all forgotten?
0: Uh, I sort of gleaned that as we moved further into it but it wasn't necessarily immediately prevalent. I thought that they had initially stayed in touch because everybody had everybody's cell phone numbers. And if everybody has everybody's cell phone numbers, then they got to be in touch, which means they have a shared common history.
1: I noticed this in my last viewing, which <laughs> a couple hours ago. It, when Mike calls him in the beginning, you just see their number, just a number, right? So it's very possible he could have found it somewhere or looked it up or whatever and didn't have their name in it. In today's world, if you're keeping in touch with someone or if you put someone in your phone, typically, not always, but typically, you put their name in it, right? So if he had gotten their numbers way back when, why wouldn't he put their name in it? I took it as, and again, I, I read it, but even so, I took it as every time he called someone, he'd have to tell them who he was. Right, And it and it took them a minute to remember, oh, oh, yeah, right. So I think that was my cue that, you know, they had forgotten.
2: Something again, going back to the book, uh, the scar on their hand, I guess, uh, none of them remembered why they had a scar on their hand, but the moment that Mike called them, the scar started hurting. Yeah. And so that immediately prompted their memory to start coming back. Uh, and then I guess at the end of the movie, the scar completely disappears. So that was something they had written into the book. Written into the book, or it was something that was in the book uh, to say that this is why Pennywise is dead because the scar.
1: Yeah, it, it's in the movie. D- disappears. Huh? They don't. Did they show? Oh yeah, they did they, say that it disappeared. It. They. They say it. they never showed it. They implied it and they said it very yeah. much. Yeah.
2: And I guess that was supposed to be some kind of gift or something that the turtle had passed on to them was the scar. Yeah. The, well, the
1: ability of the scar. Yeah, but the turtle wasn't in the movie, so well, it he, doesn't matter.
2: He had cameos. He had uh, a cameo in the movie. He,
1: he only had one this time.
2: Yeah, but did you notice that he was fr- the way he was framed in the classroom, he had a globe behind him? Yeah. No. One of the things I wanted to bring up, too, was uh, Pennywise's costume at this point. you notice there's a difference? In the first movie, his costume's all white and clean and nice-looking. Now we're seeing a Pennywise who has been damaged by... By those kids 27 years earlier. So the costume, they actually purposely designed the costume to be darker, more dingy, kind of a gray look to it. Just to show that he's not the same Pennywise they fought before. Yeah. You mentioned earlier the introductions of all these characters. What did you think of each of their lives outside of Derry?
1: Uh, I thought the filmmakers did a great job of just giving us the highlights of what these people are and what they're doing. Uh, in the miniseries and obviously the book it goes into you know this part of the story in the book is probably 800 pages right um but i thought it was really quick and it caught us up to speed and we were you know ready to get on with it i thought it was funny that uh james mcavoy is a writer and no one likes his endings and he's on a movie set and he's trying to write an ending
2: and who's who's that symbolize? Stephen King. Yeah, basically him making fun of himself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And there's, I think there's four times this is called out. And, uh, you know, he's married to the actress, this, that, and the other. In the book, uh, the actress has a way bigger role, but I'm really glad that they left her out because it just convolutes the story.
2: Well, I read somewhere that there is actually another, like, two to three hours of footage they cut from this movie, and part of that was the actress's storyline.
1: Yeah, well, I'm glad they cut it
0: because you didn't need it. After seeing the the intro of Bill, and then after Bill that we moved to uh, Eddie, I think is next, and I'm thinking, oh, we got to go through all of them. And so I was like, okay. And so I I was not necessarily looking forward to getting caught up on all seven of the characters because that's going to take time. Did Did any of them surprise you? Uh, I was surprised that Stanley committed suicide. I wasn't expecting that, but I get it too. But I took it as that he was too scared, yeah. to, to confront it. Oh, a
1: hundred percent. That's why he did it. Mm-hmm. When you thought to yourself, "Oh, now we have to go through all seven of them," did it take you out of it, or did it? No, did no, it? Did it, it, it? Did it move okay? And at the end of it, you went, "Oh, well, the I pacing. guess it wasn't that long." Was the pace all right, or was it too long? The cadence was fine. All right, because I, I personally think at two hours and forty something minutes, it's a wee bit long. You know what I mean? It's it's a bit of a commitment, so I'm I'm curious to get your thoughts on that because uh, I thought I tend to think the same thing. Oh fuck, we have seven more characters to get caught up on, and I was thinking, oh, they moved it pretty, they moved it along pretty well.
2: Of all the introductions, I don't know why, but I I really liked Eddie's the best. Uh, partly the fact that the actor looked so much like the younger Eddie, but also. Just the conversation that he had the same mannerisms so when he was talking to his wife on his phone, he said, "I love you mom and that whole bringing back that you know alliteration kind of idea uh, and that, that he's basically a claims adjuster type guy. He's a, a risk risk management risk management just seems to fit his character so much. Bev, predictable, kind of sad that she got herself in an abusive relationship. I guess from what I've been reading, she's the one with all the money in that relationship. She's the fashion designer. Yeah. So why is she putting up with this guy except for the fact that he just reminds her of her father? Yeah, well, there's your answer. Yeah, just that was sad. But other than that, uh, she held up well and kicked his ass. So I was happy to see that. In the book, I think it even gets a little more violent there. Their interaction doesn't it?
1: Yeah. And uh, Pennywise seduces him and he's in the final showdown too. Yeah. So, but again, another character that we didn't need and we happily got rid of. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe on paper it works, but we're already pushing it as it is. I, I also thought, well, here we are, just like in
0: it, where we have no positive people in our story arc. If they're not a part of one of our seven, then they are people that we are probably not going to like.
1: Or need to hear from again. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. What did you guys think of the Stanley bit?
0: Uh, First time I saw it, kind
2: of like what Ken was saying, I did not expect that. But the more I thought about it afterwards, he was the one that was the most timid, the most afraid, and kind of like begging at times, especially at that end in the first movie where he got his face chomped and had the meltdown about you guys left me, and, you know, you almost got me killed, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I can see him being the one that couldn't go back. They needed somebody to show how serious this was and how mind-crushing it was.
1: Yeah. And so, uh, because he's so scared, he takes himself off the board. Mm-hmm. So.
0: And then from here, we watch all the bodies wash out of the storm drain. And, oh, hey, there's Henry. What the fuck?
2: We find out how Henry survived falling down the well. Yeah. He gets blown out with uh, every, all the dead bodies.
1: Right. Could have been tacked on to the end of the first movie, but didn't need to be.
2: What do you think about the whole going through that Henry's been in a mental institution this whole time?
1: That's oh, fine. It's yeah. fine. I'm down with that. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was a good reintroduction to the Henry character. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made sense because uh, we were reintroducing everybody, right? So they had to catch us up. I think I would have liked it better if he was at the end of it. Yeah, maybe. But you, you're kind of left not knowing.
2: Yeah, I guess they did it on purpose at the end of the 2017 version because they wanted the audience not to know. Because I guess there was a lot of internet debate is he alive? Is he dead? Will he show up? They didn't even announce his casting until close to the 2019 movie coming out because they wanted to keep that.
1: So so these people that were posting, is he or is he dead? Is he alive or is he dead? Have they not read the book?
0: That's where I was going (laughs) (laughs) next. Yeah. You brought, Spoiler. Up, you brought up how
2: many times the characters they left out and storylines they left out?
1: Uh, yeah, well, this one, you you can't. Yeah. Henry's are, Henry's character, you can't. And well, In fact, they, they cut a lot of it. You know what I mean? And it, it changes the dynamic toward the end of the movie, and I'll get into that. Uh, well, when, if you think about there.
2: it, how much is... I mean, besides the scene in the mental hospital and the couple of attacks, he's really not that much in the movie and doesn't really change the outcome of the movie. So they could have almost cut him... His entire arc too, and we still would have gotten the same movie. We just wouldn't got Eddie stabbed in the face, and and you kind of you know, brought this up. The mic scene would have been longer as well.
1: Uh, maybe, but he uh, Henry was our our voice of Pennywise in the book, so there was no way they were not going to put him in there.
2: Okay. The scene with the girl and the Firefly who has the birthmark on her face. Did it seem kind of reminiscent to you
1: of?
2: It was basically they're almost the retelling of how Georgie died.
1: Uh, well, okay, being just, lured in. It was okay, just okay, 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 okay. Let's the just Georgie. Let, of this let, movie. Me, let me stop you right there. Let's just say this and get it out in the open. Mind. This movie pretty much is the same as the first movie, mm-hmm. and that's what this book is. It's the same story told by in child perspective and adult perspective. But since you bring that up, let me ask you this: Which one did you like better? Because the one under the fucking bleachers is fucking creepy. Because the girl's smart, she's right. You're you're not friendly. You're fucking scary. I'm out of here. So Benny Pennywise turns it and fucking earns her trust. You know, Georgie was a little more, uh, yeah. Naive. Let's go. Yeah, thank you. A little more naive at the time. Uh, but I thought this this scene. I think the scenes in two are way more brutal than they are in one, um, and mainly because they're showing him kill more kids.
2: I guess for me. So I would come down to which one did I feel worse about. For Georgie in the first movie, he was naive. He was talking to a stranger. He was sticking his hand in a sewer. I felt bad for him, but I could see it coming exactly what was going to happen. For the poor girl who you know, had had a sad life because of her birthmark and him to use that and to lure her in, I don't know. That one hit me harder.
1: Which one? What about you?
0: I like the girl underneath the bleacher scene better than Georgie.
1: A little bit more creepier. Yeah. And maybe because of the setting, right? Georgie's out in the open and yeah, it's in a storm drain, but it's so small and you're confined. This one we are immediately confined well, underneath the bleachers.
0: That and Georgie's scene is uh flat colors and it's 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 a rainy day and it's solitude. Here we are a bright day and it is a bunch of people around.
1: Yeah.
2: what do you think of the creepiness factor of counting the one, two, and then him stopping at the three, with his eyes going weird and the drool coming down.
1: It was creepy. It's the same bit as when he stops talking to Georgie. Mm-hmm. Same beats. I don't know for just some reason. Just change up a little bit.
2: I felt like that one was even just a step farther.
1: No, I well maybe maybe I, because I, the way they sh- it's a different angle, mm-hmm. right? And you are shooting Pennywise differently, but the with the drool coming down. I mean, it's fu- he's fucking creepy, man. She was her first instinct to run was the right one. Mm -hmm. So, Saria, Victoria, you won't be joining us for the rest of your life. I
0: wanted to talk also briefly about the restaurant scene. What I enjoyed about the restaurant scene with the fortune cookies and having the the message that Pennywise gives all of them and then all of the uh, fortune cookies start popping out Mm -hmm. and having all that stuff go across the table is Bill, okay, time to fight back, and he grabs the chair and he's just like... Banging on the table with the chair, and the waitress comes, what the hell is going on? Yeah,
1: yeah, it was Mike. Um, but absolutely, and what I really appreciated about this scene was the buildup of the message, right? They keep arguing back and forth. It's this, it's this, and this, and the whole time you're thinking, there's one more piece. Yeah, left. Beverly's still holding yeah, her. Yeah, Stanley. That, yeah, that yeah, that was that was a great buildup. I always thought that this scene was weird in the book, uh, and they played it visually as best they could. I guess if it were me and I saw an eyeball crawling at me, why am I not just fucking smashing it?
0: See, and that's what I get through a lot of this, this, this paralysis that's, that descends upon all of these characters. They are rigid with fear and they don't do anything. And all I'm thinking is I would grab the nearest thing that I could and I would start banging the shit out of it.
1: Well, Mike finally does, right? But it takes him a minute,
0: right?
2: Uh, one of the things that I read about this scene that I didn't connect up the first time I saw it was why that first bug thing that comes out has a baby's head on it. Did you catch the reasoning for that and what, uh, Pennywise was playing off of?
1: No, but I'm sure you're going to tell us.
2: There was something that all of the losers, adult losers had in common, which is none of them had children and none of them for some reason never chose either to have children because of at least what I, I read in an interview was they still, even though they didn't remember it, they carry their their childhood psychological issues that had caused them never to have children. So so it was playing off of that by showing them a the little baby face on the bug.
1: And now that's what you call attention to detail whilst making this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's That's actually interesting. So, so wow good job buddy talk, talk good one. Job.
2: yeah quick question i want to ask um as they're leaving the chinese restaurant and I, i've seen some debate on this uh the boy approaches richie uh and says a line from his act and richie freaks out and everything this boy shows up later on in the movie there's been speculation that that boy never existed that he was just something created by pennywise to fuck with bill Uh, Do you think he existed, or do you think he was just something to draw Bill out?
1: Then if he was only there to draw Bill out, why did he approach Richie first?
2: But he was there to fuck with all of them, basically. But Pennywise was hoping that Bill would make a connection to basically screw with him in the funhouse thing. So you think, okay.
1: Not at all. Did you notice that the little boy, uh, we meet him at the restaurant, and he's one of the victims? The little girl... Was the one that Adrian Mellon won the stuffed animal farm. Yeah. So
2: I did. Cause she was carrying it. Dick. <laughs> she was carrying that stuffed animal at the baseball yeah, game.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Mike shows Bill, via a drug-induced vision, that the Native American ritual of Chud can stop it for good. Mike explains that the ritual requires items from their past to be sacrificed. Bill goes to the storm drain where Georgie was killed and recovers his paper sailboat. Beverly retrieves Ben's love letter from her childhood home before being attacked by it in the form of a demonic elderly woman named Mrs. Kirsch. Richie goes to an abandoned arcade where he finds a game token and encounters Pennywise, who confronts him on his hidden homosexuality. Ben returns to the town's high school, while Eddie recovers an inhaler from a pharmacy and is attacked by the leper. Meanwhile, Henry Bowers, who was arrested for killing his father, is freed from a mental hospital by it. Bowers viciously attacks Eddie at the Loser's Hotel before attacking Mike at the library. Henry nearly kills Mike, but Richie kills him before he has the chance. The losers then rejoin Bill, who had just failed to save a young boy from being eaten by it. They meet him at the Nebolt house and talk him out of facing it alone.
2: What do you think about the fact of Mike just drugging bill
1: well before we get to that the losers all get pissed at mike because they feel like they lied to him they feel like they mike should i'm sorry yes he should have told them you guys need to come back because it's back all he said was you guys made a promise you need to come back right so they all leave they all want to get up and leave but mike knows that if bill will stay then the others will listen
2: this was a scene that i didn't really understand this whole fight scene because they kept saying, you didn't tell us the truth. You lied to us. But if you listen to the phone calls, he said, it's back. He I, kept saying, you know, you guys made a promise to come back. It's happening again.
1: All he's all he says is, it's happening again. And you guys made a promise to come back. Now, two, I mean, if you guys want to split hairs, we can technically yeah he could it could have been implied that he said it's coming back and on the flip side of that coin they still don't remember mm-hmm. right they know maybe at that time they know it's mike and they know they made the promise but they don't remember what it was for and so when it all comes flushing back the first person that they can blame for getting them into this fucked up situation isn't themselves they're going to blame mike because he called them
2: back that's a great point about semantics uh we hear it and we think of the creature they could hear it on the phone call and they just think oh it's happening again
1: right murders or or whatever right i'm down with that so they all split mike gets bill to come to his house and he starts explaining to bill that he's found a way he he's done all the research and he's gone all over the place and he's found a way to finally defeat it and this is where they introduce the ritual of Chud, which in the book is a fucking mess yeah i'm you have to go back and read it and listen to it that's one of the reasons i want to read the book right you know it they go into more explanation i guess but it really becomes uh, cosmic-y and what is it? The Not the metaverse, but the macroverse.
2: It's supposed to be some battle of wills. Yeah, and
1: this, and this is where it all uh, stems from. I thought that the movie did a pretty good job of dumbing it down for us. Uh, what did you guys think of the whole just ritual of Chud bit to defeat it?
2: Well, what I really appreciated this whole drug trip is you talked about how you like pacing a movie and a movie that really moves. We actually get kind of the origin of it and how he came to Earth in just a quick little flash of he came in on a meteor, became a bird, attacked the Native American people, ate them. You know, they. I guess in the book they go a lot more history of what he had been on Earth doing every twenty-seven years. But I thought this was a quick little pace of like, we got everything we needed to know.
0: I thought it was all right. I, I appreciated the fact that we got to get a little bit of backstory. I'm curious to know why Mike knows all of this. Yeah, well, he's the historian.
1: He, yeah. He's done his research.
2: He also went and visited those Native American, that tribe.
1: And he took the peyote trip with them. Yeah. Having a, a ritual to defeat an evil, I just went with it. it. It was fine. I thought it was pretty shitty that, you know, Mike drugged him. But desperate times, man. What are you going to do? Well, the thing I got from this whole ritual is kind Chud, of like he was stalkery, yeah. right? The whole
2: thing I got from this whole ritual of Chud... Uh, I was try- every time I watch it, I try to break down a little bit more of what they're trying to say, as- what it is in this movie, and what I got was all of these little tokens they got just builded up their emotion. That's what lured Pennywise in the light form to come check out what all this was, and then their belief of him going into the little bucket thing and becoming a you know, light, becoming dark, and all that. They had to strongly believe. If there was any doubt in their beliefs, that's what caused the ritual to fail. Did you kind of get that whole inkling from it?
1: Uh, no, I think. Well, we're jumping ahead, but I think that when it fails, is it never worked to begin with, and that leads me to the biggest problem I have with that with this movie. So, I guess again, we'll, I thought it was we'll just there.
2: having one, even one person experiencing fear is still feeding him, and that's why the Native Americans failed too, because one, you know, it's there was still some fear there.
1: Sure, and and that's logical. So, it turns out that uh, in order to defeat it, we need all of the losers present, and they all need to have their whole cruxes. <laughs> so, they each have to go out and find...
2: Something that was meaningful to them. Their,
1: their whole cruxes. Their spirit. T-tomies. Their artifact. Their Jedi Wayfinder. And this, Professor, is when I said, oh, fuck, we got to go find all seven of them. I said that again when this happened. And this one wasn't as quick. <laughs> as our introduction to him but i get why we have to have it and i get why we're doing it so i just decided to go along for the ride
2: you know i took it a little bit different than both of you the first time i saw this part i didn't see it as oh my god now we got to have seven different missions i figured oh this is now going to be seven times we're going to see pennywise screw with them that you know we're going to get seven more attacks it's just an excuse To use Pennywise more.
0: And that was the only redeeming thing that I got out of that. And that's what pulled me through watching all of them. It's like, okay, I get to watch Pennywise do something else. Uh,
1: So that being said, which one was your favorite?
0: The little old lady.
1: She was pretty creepy. Yeah. Problem is they fucking spoiled her in the trailer. I hear what you're saying. Don't watch the trailer. Dude, come on. Come Come on. Why don't
0: she go scurrying along the background all naked? Yeah. (laughs)
1: You know... (laughs) That's what what I'm going to do when I get old.
2: Did that... Scene when she scurries in the background, did that remind you of any other movie?
1: It reminds me of a thousand different horror movies. Which I, one specifically? The are one that
2: jumps of? in my head is Exorcist 3 at the mental institution, when they have the old people like crawling on the ceiling, the old lady crawling on the ceiling. Oh my God, you're right. Scurrying running.
0: around. What about you, John?
2: You know, I'm trying to go through them all in my head, and really, it's the little old lady that stands out as probably the creepiest of all those scenes. I, I also like during that scene. That we get to see a Bill Skarsgård without his makeup, you know, putting the white makeup on. Uh, I thought that was kind of creepy, too.
1: Yeah. So you have Bill, who is Georgie again, right? Because that's traumatic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Richie, who goes to the arcade. uh, And and, we start
2: getting hints about his lifestyle.
1: Right. And uh, Eddie, who goes to the pharmacy.
0: Ben goes back to school.
1: Ben goes back to school. Bev goes to the little house. We don't see Mike's. And then uh Stanley's dead you guys say the little old lady probably
2: yeah I think that was the most traumatic scene yeah
1: of all these yeah I think that anytime you go back to Georgie is always heartbreaking um but yeah that creepy lady uh the one I didn't really care for all, all that much wait what was Ben's he went back to the school he went back to school and he's
0: he's talking to Bev and then Bev erupts in flames oh
1: maybe that's the one I and then he hides in a locker I like that one because Pennywise is using his love for Bev against him and that's fucking cruel yeah that's fucking cruel
2: he does bring up the line, though, from the miniseries, Kiss Me, Fat Boy.
1: Yes, I was wondering who would fucking notice that. I was waiting for it. Yeah. Uh, but that's more toward the end of the movie, isn't it? Oh, I thought it was, wasn't it in the locker he says it? Yes, it was in the locker. You were 100%. Mm. Um, and then Eddie goes to the pharmacy. Right. And the pharmacy bit was fun. I'm trying to remember. Andy Muschietti was in the pharmacy. He goes downstairs. right? I, You know, I like Eddie's commentary there. Why are these uh, curtains still closed after 27 years? Uh, but, you know, the leper again. Uh, I think the one that I didn't feel all that scary and all that was uh, Richie's, actually, out in the park and the big the Paul, Paul Bunyan. Bunyan and I mean,
0: yeah. So, right after this, this brings up Henry's out of the institution. Do we need Henry in the story arc? That's what we were just talking about. Right? I was saying that earlier. I, just, I understand that he's in the book and he's a central point of the
2: book. But if they're cutting characters in the movie, I don't know. I guess bringing back the bully kind of makes sense. And it does give us the line of, yeah, it's been a long time. Cut the mullet. You know, that gives us a few little zingers here and there. But, yeah, he wasn't all that intimidating anymore.
0: Other than he had a de- decomposing friend.
1: Yeah. And- Patrick. Patrick. Uh, you know, what's funny is the portrayal of Henry in the movie is almost spot on in the book. If your question is, does he belong in the movie? I mean, does he really then belong in the book as well? Uh, I get what you're saying. It does kind of drag us down a little bit and it slows us down. And I, I guess what it is, is, I mean, he is trying to do Pennywise's work for him, mm-hmm. maybe scare him a little bit, whatnot. But it's really brief. You know he escapes, and does he? Does
0: Richie kill
1: Henry? Yeah,
2: yeah. He puts with the tomahawk in his tomahawk in the back of his head. Tommy Hawk Tom, a tomahawk.
1: Like a you want to go Tommy for a throw? Gun? <laughs> You want to go play throw? Yeah. Uh, yeah. He fucking kills him with a tomahawk to the back of the head.
2: I guess in the movie or in the book it's the same, but it's a little more brutal or something.
1: Well, in the book, Henry injures Mike, mm-hmm. and Mike can't go. To the ritual. To the ritual.
2: He gets put in the hospital like they did in the miniseries. Yeah, exactly. I guess I read somewhere too that a you know, directors like to put their trademark type things in these movies, whether it's, you know, Michael Bay and his explosions or whoever. I guess this director, it's people throwing up. And that's why Richie had to throw up
1: twice in the movie. Oh, for fuck's sakes. So
0: Bill, he goes back to the house and shocker, he leaves the bike in the middle of the street.
1: And then he starts looking, uh, having a conversation with Pennywise. I guess here's my real question, Stephen King. If you're this close to Pennywise, all seven adults, you're by yourself. Why are you not killing them now? Good question.
2: I think he wanted to feed on them. He wanted to build up their fears again and prove, because one of the last things they had said to him was, you're not real, you know. We don't fear you. I think he wanted to prove them wrong.
1: No, I think that's just stupid. But I think he, he also, I think he just should have eaten them and it should have been over.
2: But it. he also I got the impression he didn't have any power to fight against them unless they were afraid. So that's why he recruits Henry because Henry doesn't need fear to kill them.
0: Maybe Pennywise
1: just had a grudge.
2: I think he, that's the whole thing. He even says later no, on. No, it's
1: because Stephen King need he needs to vomit at the mouth. One that's thing, why
2: one of the things you just brought up the bike a second ago. I want to jump to the Stephen King scene in the shop where Bill finds the bike and everything. Uh, what do you think about that whole scene?
1: It was cute. It, it was clearly written in for the fans and clearly a vehicle for Stephen King to poke fun at himself about the endings. And um, did you catch uh, Christine's license plate on the uh, behind Stephen King? Way to ruin it for me. Yes. With their memories now fully restored, the group descends into a cavern beneath the sewers with Mike providing a rock from the Losers' fight with the Bowers gang as they perform the ritual in the remains of the meteor that brought it to Earth. The ritual traps the deadlights, its true form, in a ceiling jar, but a giant red balloon emerges from the jar and explodes, revealing it as a giant Pennywise-Spider hybrid, The creature pressures Mike into revealing that it killed the natives originally performing the ritual because their fear overtook them, a fact Mike had hidden from the losers. It attacks the losers and places Bill, Ben, and Beverly in individual traps, which they escape once Bill realizes his guilt over being indirectly responsible for Georgie's death and when Bev realizes Ben was the one who wrote the love letter to her. Mike stands up to the creature, only almost to get eaten, but Richie manages to distract it, getting caught in its deadlights in the process. Eddie saves him, but is fatally impaled. After Eddie explains how he made it feel small earlier, the Losers confront Pennywise on how they've overcome their fears and are no longer scared of the entity causing it to shrink. Mike rips out its heart, which he and the Losers crush with their bare hands, finally killing it. Richie and the others rush to Eddie but find out he has died from his injuries. The losers are forced to leave Eddie's body while its cavern implodes, destroying the Neibolt house. The remaining losers return to their old swimming area and wash off from their confrontation with it and join hands to comfort Richie as he mourns for Eddie. Its demise has also caused the scar on their hands to disappear. After the losers part ways, Ben and Beverly get married. Richie returns to the kissing bridge where he had once carved his and Eddie's initials. Mike decides to move out of Derry and start a new life, and Bill begins writing his story before receiving a call from Mike as he leaves Derry, learning that Stanley sent them all posthumous letters. The letters reveal that Stanley was too scared to face it, and his suicide was intended to strengthen his friends against it. He asks the remaining losers to live life to the fullest potential. Roll credits.
0: So the losers reunite, and they decide they're going to kill this fucking clown.
1: That's right. Um, I did like how, even after everything that was going on, uh, Richie was hell-bent on getting the fuck out of town, right? And as he's trying to leave, he drives by the... Temple. uh, Thank you. Where uh, Stanley was... Stanley. Stanley
2: i love you say stan lee oh
1: (laughs) where stan lee was becoming a man and he has that memory and it's really that memory that gives richie the strength you know convinces him to go back and help and yeah they all congregate but they're like where the fuck is bill where is bill and bill went off to save this young boy what did you guys think of this scene did we talk about his death scene
2: we briefly mentioned it earlier, but no, we did not talk about how the funhouse mirror. I see this kid running in the funhouse. I'm, I i do not know if I'm following. Yeah, it. fuck
1: that. I'm done too. Um, what'd you guys think of the use of the mirrors and the whole bit where Pennywise just starts banging his head until he gets his food?
0: I was waiting for Bruce Lee to appear and start punching windows. Oh, for fuck's sake, you would mirrors. I, I wouldn't have gone in there if
1: Pennywise is in there. Yeah, right? I, I thought it was fucking creepy. I thought it was a good death, good kill, mm-hmm. good kill.
2: I kept again. Even the first time I saw this, before I even read anything, I kept questioning whether the kid was really in there or was this just another Pennywise
1: fuck. No, I don't think... Why? Why would I, it be a mindfuck? I it thought a- maybe
2: Pennywise just lured him into the fun house. The kid could have been off playing somewhere else. Just lured him in to, again, try to build up that self-doubt in Bill... Uh, and the fact of maybe even just building up the fact of getting Bill to run in alone by himself, because again, the whole time in both movies he's trying to break the group up, he's trying to destroy their bond, and he almost got Bill to go in by himself the first time, or and you know do the loner thing. I think maybe he was trying to build him up to do the same again. Oh, yeah. okay. So who knows? Uh, what do you think of when they're doing the ritual of Chud? Uh, is it Chud or Chewed or I don't know Chud. I just, but, I've always said Chud. But I do like as they're putting everything in, how, you know, Eddie puts in the inhaler and then talks about how the token wouldn't burn. And oh, yeah, that rock, that's not going to burn either.
1: Oh, yeah. Eddie was so matter of fact about everything. Yeah, I love The it. whole physics of it, right? That's not going to burn. And then Richie's like, dude, you just put your inhaler in there. <laughs> it's just
2: Richie and Eddie, I don't know, something about the two of them, just to me, they're one liners and little back and forth. Added another element to this movie that made it more enjoyable. For oh, them. it was
1: great writing. It was great writing. And it was great execution by them. This this whole bit, they go back into the uh, house at Neble Street, and before we can get down to the crater, we have to do this whole uh, maze horror thing again mm-hmm. that we already did in the first one. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And maybe these are some of the bits that we could lose. Maybe Anne Henry. I don't know. Right? What
2: what do you think of Spider
1: Stanley? Uh, I thought of the thing. That's that, exactly where it, he went as well. Is it homage? That's, yeah.
2: They were paying homage to uh, earlier on, I guess. Uh, I never caught it. Maybe it was a little bit of foreshadowing. Uh, but when they were doing the uh, Stanley's uh, shower caps on the head, uh, what did Richie say at that time?
1: Uh, you you don't want to get spiders stuck in your head.
2: Someone said that, and he says, I'm not afraid of spiders. Yeah. Well, this was Pennywise trying to prove him wrong. Yeah. Well and so they're creating the the spider stanley but yeah they're paying homage to it
1: yeah and the bev and ben bit felt a bit long uh, a little bit drawn out because after we survive these harrowing instances we still got to go down another fucking level to get to where we were in the first movie and then from there we got to go down even further You know what I mean? So I get setting it all up. Let's just move it along a little bit. Two hours and 40 some minutes. Yeah.
2: The whole scene between Beverly and uh, Ben in the bathroom and in the uh, underground thing and all that, that did seem a little extended, a little bit long. But did you catch a piece of foreshadowing in the bathroom stall?
0: Uh, Must have been graffiti on the bathroom stall. What was written on the bathroom stall?
1: One, two, Freddy's coming for you?
2: No, uh, I didn't catch it the first couple I saw, but I caught it it this time. In big letters, it's written, big is what it seems. So that was a hint that they had to think him small, that they had to believe him small to take him from being big.
0: You know, by this stage of the story, I don't understand why our characters Just sit there and watch these things play out and unfold. And so Stanley's head rolls to the floor and Stanley starts talking to them. Why do you just sit there and listen to him when you know it is not Stanley? Right about there, you should be thinking, "Uh, hey, here's a two by four. Yeah, absolutely. Kept kept thinking the same thing of how
2: many mindfucks have to happen before you start realizing this is just another mindfuck and I'm getting sick of
1: it.
0: Yeah get angry about it and just start taking care of some business here. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would have squashed Stanley spider.
1: Yeah. See, I would have been kicking and, you know, come on motherfucker. But that's just me.
2: An interesting point that I, I read online was if you watch the first movie and you notice that when they all come together, they are able to beat Henry in the rock fight. They basically overcome his fear uh, or overcome their fear of him and basically get his friends to run away, which loses his power, and he gets defeated for the first time in the first movie. In this movie, it's almost a metaphor for what happens in this movie, that again, they have to come together, overcome their fear, and by doing so, they're able to beat their target. Did you notice that kind of the similarities in the two movies?
1: Yeah, you know why? It's the same movie. Well, I mean, fundamentally, it's the same story. We just get older versions of it, so they're gonna they're gonna use it uh, in, in their in their favor.
0: Oh, so briefly, yeah. um, The spider bit <laughs> when they couldn't find Stanley initially, and then Richie looks up and he's so nonchalant.
1: Oh, there he is. <laughs> oh, Richie. I mean, I think he to quote your favorite term. I think he stole the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill Hader, his, one of my favorite bits is after he's done throwing up in the beginning, after he gets the call, he's rushing back in because he's about to do a show, right. and uh, they go uh, get him some water, and he goes bourbon and some mouth uh, mints or something. Turns the corner, and someone hands him a bourbon and mouth mints, and his his comment is so just... Oh, wow, that was fast. It was just such a flow and so perfectly delivered. I mean, Bill Hader did a great job in this. and his emotional scenes, get the fuck out of here. Had me crying.
2: I know. I so, kept thinking I haven't seen him in scenes like that, so it was really nice to see him in a role like this. Have
1: you ever seen Trainwreck with no. Amy Schumer? No. You should check that out. He's really good in that. he? Um, So, yeah, they, uh, after climbing down and, you know, Going through the sewers. Right. We get to the floating place where nobody was floating.
0: And I guess because he just woke up and he hasn't had time to right. get he, floats. Right. Because he's hungry. He's got to eat first. What do you do when you wake up? You eat. Right? I don't. But that's just me. Okay.
1: Shocker. At some point, you eat when you get hungry.
0: Well, that's why it's called breakfast.
1: Well, if
2: he had slept for
0: 27 years, he might be a little peckish. Because that... Thank you, John. Thank you.
1: Because that's what you're doing. You're breaking the fast. Right. Oh, for fuck's sakes. And uh, they start doing this ritual, and they throw their totems or their artifacts in, and it starts burning, and we go, we start to see the dead lights, and Here's the they thing start that, chanting.
2: And I don't know if you're going to go there, because you talk about scenes that bother you. As the dead lights are floating down, we've been told throughout the movie, do not look at the dead lights. They will fuck with your mind. They all are looking at the deadlights as they're floating down.
1: There are shots of, yes, there are shots of them trying to check it out. Because I think they're trying to look at uh, where they're at in the relation to where they're standing. And and what's the rule? Don't stare at them? Or don't just, I mean, is it well, like Medusa? Will they turn you to stone the instantly you look at them? I'm wondering if they have to be staring back at you. Oh, who knows? Who knows why madmen do what they do? And so they manage to get the deadlights into this uh, cauldron or bucket or whatever, whatever, and they start to close it, and then you knew this couldn't be it, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Not going to be that easy. And then the balloon blows up, and Pennywise emerges, and he's starting to take his truest form, him like a crab, kind of spider-like, but in the book... He is a fucking spider.
2: Well, they say that his real appearance is the deadlights. Right. But the way that people interpret him... Was a spider. They can only see him as a spider. Yeah.
1: And so I remember one of the big criticisms of the miniseries is that it turns in... They, he turned into a fucking spider. And people were like, no, it's spiders. And that's kind of where you know, Stephen King's getting his bad rap for endings. But in this one, they did the best job that they could to make him look, you know... But he
2: still looks like a clown.
1: He does. Absolutely. Mm. I like Absolutely. That actually
2: actually, you know, because... That was one of my criticisms of the miniseries because I didn't know much about the book at the time was that the spider looked a little cheesy, looked like an alien spider thing. Uh, But I liked in this movie the combination of the spider and the Pennywise clown.
1: Yeah, and and I thought they used the combination really good because I liked the bit where Pennywise outs Mike. He goes, yeah, tell him. Tell him why it didn't work. Tell him that they tried this before and it didn't work, right? And... Uh, it goes back to the one of them could have been more afraid than the other and it could, didn't have the complete force of power. Or this ritual would have never worked because Pennywise is too powerful. So it, it was one of the two, right?
2: It took me right back to that Star Trek episode, and I could wish I could remember the name of the episode, where uh, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy had to fight a creature that fed on fear and spock was able to block the fear in their minds so you know
1: right back to star Trek. so now we have our action sequence and uh pennywise is running around and they're uh you know he's trying to kill him and they start to fight back and throughout this whole thing eddie has been too scared to do anything and then the, uh, Bev hands him that spear, and he says, this kills monsters, if you believe it. Which is a big thing, because in the book, and even in the miniseries, their weapons were more powerful on Pennywise because they believed in them. And this is the callback to this. And that's when Eddie says, yeah, this thing can kill monsters. And he goes in, and he throws it at Pennywise, and he fucking hits him.
2: I guess in the book too, didn't they bring up the idea and I think they did this in the miniseries, Bev believes the rock can hurt.
1: Uh yeah, or and one of them had silver. Yeah, silver, and, yeah. And and actually Eddie had a an inhaler and inhaler. it was and it was battery acid and yeah, that's all in the book.
0: Yeah. I thought that the curtain rod was the same curtain rod that that Bev had used in it.
2: What it actually was, and they grabbed it in the first movie as well as the second movie. It was the spikes that were made for the fence. Yeah. As they're walking into the house, they were grabbing the spikes from the oh, yard. Yeah. Great. I did like this confrontation of them fighting and running, and then Bev, you know, and all that. Bev, I guess there was forty five or forty five hundred gallons of blood that came shooting into that bathroom. So Bev not only gets covered, you know, the The young one got covered. The adult one got covered.
1: And it isn't until true love uh, appears its face that they uh, are rescued. Yeah. So good for them. And so uh, Eddie manages to hurt it, but in the meantime, we lose one of our losers.
2: Yeah. Eddie gets spiked through the back, I think it was. Yeah. It comes through his chest, and you knew he wasn't coming back from that one.
0: Yeah. Well, somebody had to pass. Yeah. They can't all come back.
1: Yeah. Well, Stanley did.
0: Well... This is what takes me back
2: to what I guess I spoiled in the last podcast. If you notice, when they all left and kind of faded out from the uh, the point where they all you know cut their hands, Stanley left first, Eddie left second. Yeah. So that symbolizes the order they were going to die in this movie. Yeah.
0: So then they move on to a full on psychological warfare against Pennywise.
1: And this is my biggest problem of the movie why is that don well, you just got to be mean to someone to win
2: again with the metaphors i feel like this was all about confronting bullies and that bullies are insecure and really they're just afraid themselves so as soon as you overcome and start talking them down uh you defeat them according to this movie
1: so you're okay with it
2: you know i wouldn't say i'm that you know okay with it but I recently had my high school reunion and at my high school reunion I met up with a guy who was just the worst bully in our high school and I even found out he was bullying lots of people he tormented me in high school and so I actually sat down with him and over a couple beers we had a really great conversation he apologized for everything he'd done and I asked him I said did I ever do anything to piss you off did I ever do anything to make you target me like if I did I'm sorry, I just want to say that and I, I want to get off chest so we can have a new beginning. And he looked at me and goes, there was nothing you ever did. He goes, I was so insecure in high school that I had to target people, that I had to attack people because uh, it just it, it helped me hide that insecurity. And so when I watch this movie now, I kind of see that in this whole Pennywise scene of they're now attacking, attacking his insecurities and that's what's making him a smaller person. Does that mean anything to you?
1: Uh, good for you. For doing that and taking that step, that's, that's fucking huge. Uh, but I'm saying related to the
2: movie, do you see any difference in the movie? No,
1: because he is evil from the beginning of time. And I'm going to say, oh, you're a clown. And I'm just going to make you small? What did you think?
0: I myself thought that I had no compassion, no remorse whatsoever for Pennywise passing since he had been responsible for so many deaths. However, apparently he is vulnerable if he is not necessarily at full strength, which apparently he wasn't since it was at the beginning of the 27 years. That's all I took out of it was maybe if it was a time that he had been awake for longer, maybe he would have been stronger. Well, there was
2: another hint earlier in the movie and I didn't even catch this until recently. Uh, He was damaged from the first movie physically. Mike had stabbed him, I think, in the chest with one of those big uh, fence spikes. Uh, And they kind of hint at that. When you go to the scene with Beverly and the old lady in Bev's old home, and you can see down her shirt a little bit, you see a kind of a boils and scars and blisters on the chest. That's to show that that wound never healed. So that goes into what you were just saying, Professor. This is not the same Pennywise we know at full strength. He has been weakened. He has been damaged. But I see where you're going, Don, of it's such a buildup to this intergalactic, you know, macroverse villain who is basically like a lord of chaos that you can just talk him down. That's his weakness.
1: Yep. And that's why I didn't like this ending. It felt rushed. It felt lazy. And they were writing it along. They were doing so good. And they was, oh, were, how are we going to end it? And someone said, oh, just have him be mean to it.
2: Yeah. I thought just yeah, feelings. I agree with you that there no. could have been in ways that they had built up the whole idea of um, one of the things that the the Native American tribe and I can never remember their name uh, had hinted at is whatever form he takes is he has to obey the laws of that form. So if he becomes a werewolf, he can be killed by a silver bullet. Is basically what they're hinting at. I get that. So I'm I saying, get. I've, all of it. I wish they would have played more to that being his weakness. Got him into a form where he was killable, not just belittle him. Yeah,
1: see? Yeah, that was dumb. I didn't like the ending. Uh, Mr. Muschietti, I really enjoyed both of your films. I just did not enjoy this ending. So, that's just me. And actually, I shouldn't even say the whole ending. I should just say the way that Benny Wise was taken care of. Mm-hmm. So.
2: Yeah, the whole, you know, he goes down to this little... Thing on the wall, and they rip out his heart and all that. Yeah, I get. I get where you're saying that's a little bit of a letdown. I
1: get. Well, the heart bit I liked, Mm -hmm. but you only had to talk him down and then pull it in. We could have done something a little bit more, you know. But uh, taking the heart of evil and crushing it—that's that's that's good. that's, That's very symbolic. The
2: whole thing too, and I kept thinking. I guess until like the scar disappearing, I kept thinking: Is Pennywise just making them see? that he's being defeated is this just another way that they're leaving it open so that they can revisit this again if they want to in a future movie or a future book was this all just another mind fuck by him so, No, because cuz like in the second uh, first movie he kind of mind fucks with them and
1: then crawls back down the hole no i i no, but cuz that's how the book ends i yeah. get it um pennywise isn't coming back they're going to do a prequel which is fucking dumb because i know how it ends mm-hmm. you know and we said this last week stephen king won't write pennywise anymore well, so he says he loves the character and would love to see more stories with him. He's too afraid to write him. So they destroy Pennywise. They narrowly escape the house on Neblett Street that goes all poltergeist. Yes, yeah. absolutely. That, that whole thing with the whole cave in
2: and everything. Well, it, well
1: they had to. They had to make it more fin- uh, more of a finale than they than the last one. And the last one, the house stays where it is. Yeah. Right. At least this one, you know, the house is gone. So Is that our is it that's our cue to know that this is over.
2: I would say, is that our yeah. cue to know that he's supposedly dead? Yeah. And yeah. I guess, you know, they're not going back for Eddie, but the every time I watch this movie, I kept thinking, did somebody call Eddie's wife? How did she find out that Eddie is
1: dead? Uh she still doesn't know. She's wondering where he's at and his uh face is on the back of a milk carton.
2: Did they just call him and say Eddie decided to run off with another lady who doesn't look like his mom? Or what did uh
1: what did Eddie uh Richie say, "You, uh, you killed a clown. I did. You went through shitty water. I did. You married a woman three times your size. Three <laughs> yeah, times your
0: body mass. <laughs> You're braver than you think.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
0: that's a good pep talk. Yeah. Good pep talk.
2: I liked Eddie's last words. Hey, I fucked hey, Richie, your mother. Yeah, your mom. Yeah, that was such. Yeah. That was
1: good. That was perfect for him. Uh, and so speaking of which, they all get out of." Uh, the house in Evil Street. What's and the they uh, start? What's
2: the big difference with you said the house destroyed in the book? What's the big difference? Uh, I don't remember. Uh, I guess the entire town of. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah that's right. Yep,
1: yeah, yep yeah, the the entire town collapses because uh, it was part of the town.
2: Yeah, it was basically it made up the yeah, town. Yeah,
1: which is would explain why the adults never paid attention to this and the other. Mm-hmm. Right, you're right. So, um, very Stranger Thingsy. Hmm. So they we get kind of, you know, what's happening now. Uh, Mike calls. Well, they go for a swim. Oh, that's right. You're absolutely right. They go for a swim, and this is where Bill and Beverly kiss. And in the dirty water. I know. You think ad- adults would know a little better. Oh, my God. You have so much left to learn in life, sir. And then Bill kind of sees it, and he accepts it and moves on. And, th- and this is where Richie really breaks down. And I thought this scene was pretty touching.
2: I know how I reacted the first time I saw this. Did you get at this point, Ken, since this was your first time, that uh, he had a crush on Eddie?
1: No. Neither did I. Not until the ending when uh, he's carving the two letters. When he's re-carving
2: it, basically. Right,
1: because he did it as a little kid. Um, That's kind of when I went, oh, okay, whatever. And then we find out that Ben and Beverly are together. Which happens in the book, so now she is not in a bad relationship. You can sleep at night, John. And but then, she'll get bored and leave. Uh, who knows? And then uh, Mike calls Bill, and in this scene, Professor, when Bill takes the phone call, did that location look familiar? No. That is the same office from? Stand by me. It's the same window that... Uh, the kids are out when Richard Dreyfus is finishing his book. I thought that was a. I thought that was a brilliant throwback mm-hmm. or a callback. I thought that was great. Another great Stephen King. Yeah, didn't, didn't recognize it at all. Oh, I thought for sure you would get it because no. you love The Stand by Me. But- yeah. Yeah. And then... Stanley's letter. Stanley's letter. Which which I guess
2: didn't exist in the book. He never wrote any letters. He didn't write any suicide note. uh, But they made that for this movie. Did you feel like it added to the movie?
1: Um, I thought that it... Yeah. I I thought it was a nice touch. Yeah, it it worked. Yeah, it worked. It was a nice goodbye for the audience to Stanley and for everybody else. Yeah. And, I mean... It, It allowed the group to reconnect one more time. Right. And, I mean... If if you look at it, still suicide, still sucks, right? Um, but I guess maybe in Stanley's heart, he was doing it for the greater good. The greater, the greater good. good. And so, yeah, I, th- I thought it was a good. I thought it was a good addition to the story. To the yeah. story. And uh, it ends. That was it. That. Was- <laughs> <laughs> or is it? Now it's time for John's. Precious! Moment.
2: This is the point in our podcast where I take whatever movie that we are currently reviewing and compare it to the greatest movie series ever made, Lord of the Rings. Chapter two is no different, but things have changed a little bit. I'm going to start with Aragorn. He's still Bill. Bill is the leader of the group, he's the one that always charges in first. This time, though, Bill is not Frodo. While he is on a mission, his goals aren't his own, and he isn't the only one to carry the ring. In chapter one, I said Mike was Gimli. This time, I feel like he's a little bit more of Gandalf of the group, imparting wisdom and motivation in an attempt to keep the group together and moving forward. Merry and Pippin... They're still Richie and Eddie. While part of the Fellowship, they are also the comic relief, but like both Merry and Pippin, they know when to get their hands dirty. Since Stanley dies early on and serves as story fodder for later on, I'm comparing him to Boromir. While he doesn't die in a physical battle, he does succumb to his own mental conflict. Bormer's death inspired his brother Faramir later on in the series in the same way that Stanley intentionally or unintentionally inspired the losers. There are also some other changes I want to make. Beverly Marsh, I'm going to assign her Legolas. She's loyal to the Fellowship, and her aim with projectiles is spot on. Gimli, this time I'm going to say it's Ben. Mostly quiet, a bit gruff, just like Gimli, and... He's kind of got a crush going on for Legolas, As I learned from the last podcast, stick with the movie and don't expand to the book. So going that route, our Sauron, well, that's got to be it. That's basically Pennywise. He's the one with the master plan to get sweet, tasty revenge on our meddling kids. Last podcast for chapter one, I said Henry Bowers was Gollum. He spent most of the movie with his own agenda, just wanting to hurt people and dealing with his own issues. In chapter 2 it's another story. He's on a mission assigned by his boss, It. This makes Henry an Urukai. He's not smart enough to make his own agenda, so he's definitely not Sauron the White. He's just following orders. So regarding the Precious, the ring that unites them all, it's the Loser's Club. It's their friendship. It has a positive influence on each of them. Is also what draws them back into danger. This also makes all of them, in a way, Frodo. So when I said Bill wasn't Frodo, really all of them are Frodo, as they each carry a burden, and basically they each carry the burden to destroy the corruption, which is its influence on their bond and the happiness in their life. And there you have it. My comparison of It Chapter 2 with Lord
0: of the Rings. Bring on the grades. Question. Sure. Is there a Sam in this one?
2: I did not see a Sam. Unless, like, all of them are Frodo, all of them Sam. It's all a bond between them. They are the fellowship.
0: I don't necessarily agree with the ring part. I think it would have been stronger if you just would have left it as, this is the fellowship, and not address the ring. I just felt like what
2: i always want to try to find something that connects them all and what is their mission in the lord of the rings their mission is to carry the ring to mount doom to destroy the ring and, and the corruption mm-hmm. and this one they had the mission to come back to town get pennywise get it and destroy it to save the town so really that to me was their precious that was their goal that what was their mission
0: i guess i'm just arguing
2: about semantics because
0: i wouldn't necessarily call it the ring doesn't have to be a physical object. In no, no I, I get that. Mm-hmm. But um, I think this is the first time you brought up Legolas. I think so. No, it
1: was he said it last week.
0: So overall, I'd say, hands down, this is your strongest one. I'm giving you
1: an A-. Strongest one ever? Yeah. But you have a problem with the ring. I think I just shit mm-hmm. my pants. Okay. Yeah, the only one I liked better was Kevin Smith's. Uh, I'm with Ken. I think that the precious is a bit of a stretch. You're getting better with the uh characters and and their motivations and tying them to the character so i'll give you that i'm gonna go ahead and give you a c plus so there you have it and that was john's moment all right so what do you guys think you guys ready to rate this bitch i think it's time to rate this bitch Uh, professor, how do we do our ratings? We do our ratings on a scale of one
0: to five fucks. If a movie is five fucks, it is a movie that is cinematic gold. It is something you are ready to watch whenever somebody says, do you want to watch this movie? A one fuck movie is a movie where it's one and done. You saw it for whatever reason you wanted to see it, but there's nothing that makes you want to go back and watch any of it ever again. There's no need. It's just a waste of time to watch it again and what's a zero a zero fuck movie is you feel scarred you feel burned fuck you for making me watch this
1: oh in other words we just don't give a fuck all right who wants to go first i'll go first all right hit it when it comes down to it and i've
2: said this before i like chapter two more than i like chapter one while it's longer i feel the pace is better and the characters are already established We're able to jump in the story, and it's kind of like visiting that old friend that we all have. You know, the one who likes to dress up like a clown and creeps everyone the fuck out? We all have friends like that, right? Uh, Regarding the cast, I feel each actor was a perfect choice to represent their kid counterparts. Of all of them, I felt Bill Hader did the best job. The role was really suited to him. And it was great to see him in a role that he could go beyond just being in the background for laughs. I haven't seen all of Bill Hader's movies, but the ones I've seen, I just thought you know he's done the best in this movie. Second to Bill as Richie was James McAvoy as Bill. His portrayal really matched amazingly well with Jaden Martell, the original Bill. Really, the chemistry between all the actors worked well. And Bill Skarsgård again delivers a monstrous performance as Pennywise the Dancing Clown. While I love Tim Curry in basically every performance he's ever done, I feel that Bill has ruined this character for any future recasting. His natural talents made him the ideal choice for this role. As I said on on the previous podcast, It, 1, and 2 are two of my go-to movies. If I had to pick one over the other, and I haven't seen either in a while, I always go with chapter two. And so for that reasons, I'm giving it chapter two, four and a half
1: fucks. All right. 4.5 fucks from the comic book guy. You or me, dude. You or me. Which Mm. losers next? Mm. Beep, beep, motherfucker. I'll go. Fine. Uh, It chapter two. I enjoyed this movie. I thought the cast did a good job. I thought they were very well cast, especially to their uh, childhood counterparts. It Chapter 2 is basically It Chapter 1, just with adults. And so the filmmakers had to figure out how not to make it exactly the same as the first one. And I thought that Muschietti did a really good job. He clearly loved the project. He clearly had uh, a lot of input and he clearly had a direction where he wanted to go with it that I felt worked, mostly. The biggest problem I have with this movie is the ending and that we're just going to be mean to the bully or we're going to be bullies ourselves and that is going to defeat a billion million old evil. Uh, I got a problem with that because, to me, it feels lazy. And, you know, again, we can't end a Stephen King story. So that that kind of drags it down just a little bit for me. But if I had to pick between which one I liked best, um, I think I would go with the first one because I think the first one is better paced and it tells more of a complete story. In the second one, it's just rehashing the first story. Uh, Better scares. Uh, I think the cast is equally as good. It does, in the second one, take me out just a little bit that our children actors have aged, and we can tell, and we're we're still in the same summer. So just little bits like that. And then overall, the ending. So for me, I'm going to give it Chapter 2, 3.75 fucks.
0: Well, that just leaves me. It Chapter 2 is a movie that I didn't know what to expect out of it because the uh, movie is a popular movie in general, and I was curious to watch it. After seeing the first one, I was not necessarily all that hyped for the movie because, in general, the first one is usually better than the second one. That's usually the way it goes. And so watching this movie... I have to say that I was pleasantly surprised on the development the, the development of the characters and the richness that I felt in the relationships that these characters have with each other. I completely adored Richie. He is a delightful character, and he was played very, very well by Bill Hader. And I really enjoyed uh, Bev and Bill and, and Mike, I, I felt like that that they fleshed out so nicely and I appreciated how much they depended and were able to lean on each other and have uh, success that they were able to conquer and vanquish it. I don't think I jumped once in any of the scares. And I think part of it's just because what I had previously in the first one, I know it's Stephen King, and I know how dark Stephen King gets, that he gets really macabre and dark and gritty and because knowing that he's going to go there why wouldn't he because you know this is who he is and so having all these elaborate scares they didn't make me jump but they were certainly fun to watch and as I stated earlier it is what made you know the the reintroduction of our characters young and old going through their individual traumas you know, with these creative and inter- and interesting scares, I thought that was really cool because it helped a two and a half two hour forty five minute movie move along a little bit easier. It did feel long. I have to say that uh, it took a couple of pushes for me to get through it. In the end, I liked this movie, but for different reasons than I liked the first movie. And the first movie's okay, but it just doesn't necessarily draw me back in to want to watch it again. And I'm giving it two fucks again, but not for the same reason that I gave the first one two fucks as well. I, I just appreciate them, but in different ways, but not necessarily enough to say, that's an awesome movie.
1: So, with 4.5 fucks from the comic book guy, 3.75 fucks from myself, and 2 fucks from the professor, we have an average of 3.4 fucks, which ties it with IT Chapter 1. That kind of makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean... The same movie, so, I mean, it makes sense, (laughs) right?
2: It all comes down to you liked Chapter 1 a little bit more, I liked Chapter 2 a little more, and The Professor stayed the
1: same. Right. Yeah. So uh, it is slightly better than Mallrats and Big and Robocop, but slightly worse than Little Miss Sunshine, Peanut Butter Falcon, and Heat. All right, so that is going to wrap it up for this episode of Three Guys in a Flick. I just want to thank Zach, Ronnie, and Jill for listening. Keep on listening. Thanks, Zach. Thanks, Ronnie. Thanks, Jill. And I want to thank everyone else who listens. We really appreciate it. Go out there and give us some likes. And, you know, if you feel up to it, go ahead and leave us some comments. Speaking of which, uh, John, where can they find us?
2: They can always find us at our website, threeguysinaflick.com, where I go ahead and post all of our podcasts, show notes, and movie trivia at our website. You can find us on all social media as well as anywhere that hosts podcasts. I would also recommend, besides iTunes giving us you know, a five as well as comments, check out the website goodpods.com, leave us some comments, upvote our site, and get us a higher ranking. That would be much appreciated. All right, so
1: there you go. Uh, for Three Guys in a Flick, I'm Don. I'm John. And I'm Ken. Thanks for listening. Well, I was debating between both. Were you telling me which quote I was going to do? Mm-hmm. Oh, look at the big balls on this guy.
2: I like the little part about the, remember what Richie said the last time? <laughs> uh, uh, we
1: measuring dicks. Yeah. Welcome back. You are listening to a three guys in a flick. This is where, did I say, uh,
2: <laughs> you said, uh, three guys in a flick. <laughs> Mike had stabbed Pennywise. He hadn't fully healed. Oh yeah. Well, so anyway, we'll talk about that later.
1: Why we just did,
2: but you're not going to use any of it.
1: I know because you kept going on and on and on and on and on. And I
2: will continue to
0: fucking go on and on and on and on. Do you
1: remember the name of the episode?
0: No, but um, it's it's an iconic Star Trek episode because the sky is all red. Ah. And they're gl- gunslingers in a western town.
1: Oh, nice
0: nerds. Oh, I'm glad I had someone to back
1: me up on that. Gives his review and then goes on with his review. What do you mean? He says, I give this two fucks. And the reason I give this two fucks is it because it's the same reason, which he just fucking said. Yeah. So... sometimes hey sometimes you put the corner in you gotta let the song play all right fuck off good night